0: And welcome to the 68th episode of the Always Drive Podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I am so very, very tired this week, guys. It seems like it's been about a month since I've slept well, and it seems like every night there's some sort of fresh hell that uh, conspires to keep me from waking refreshed and ready to tackle another day. Uh, One night last week I was actually kept up because of an in-home sleep study that I did in an effort to help find a way for me to sleep better. As it turns out, sleeping with a box strapped around your chest with wires taped to your arms and tubes up your nose makes for a pretty lousy night's sleep. And I'm not sure how they get any useful data to make any recommendations from that test. Nevertheless, I did receive some recommendations, including to lose weight or to wear even more industrial equipment when I go to bed. And it's not like i had been sleeping super poorly before a month or so ago or that I'm morbidly obese or anything. But it made me wonder exactly how these sleep study companies can feel confident in their recommendations when they themselves have induced such poor sleep because of the equipment they require to do the testing. But as we all know, we live in a post-truth world where the absence of supporting data doesn't necessarily stand in the way of certain actions. For the sleep study company, causing me to have a bad night's sleep and then recommending I use their company to sleep better moving forward is pretty obviously self-serving because they can continue to charge me and my insurance more money which is a handy parallel that brings us to our top story this week. After months of teasing, the Trump administration finally announced changes to the fuel economy standards on Thursday by freezing the miles per gallon standard at 2020 levels through 2026. While auto manufacturers were looking for a softening of the rule rather than a freezing, this will apparently give politicians some more time to negotiate long-term standards in addition to revoking California's EPA waiver to set their own standards. The move was hailed by the agencies responsible for the change as transformative, stating that the new rules will ease the burden on companies and even save 12,700 lives over the next few decades. The math here is, like all data utilized to weaken rules generally agreed to be helpful for humankind, a bit fuzzy, Uh, but the benefits are clear. Uh, The oil industry has just been done a big favor. Um, By reducing the average fuel economy for a given automaker's fleet from 46.8 by the year 2026 to just 37 miles per gallon it's estimated that U.S. oil consumption will shoot up by a whopping 500,000 barrels per day of oil by the 2030s. Quizzically, one of the reasons why this change was brought was because of the current trend toward buying SUVs and trucks. Yet, by decreasing the fuel economy standards and increasing gasoline demand, it will actually increase fuel prices, which was a Big reason why buyers started turning towards smaller, fuel efficient cars around the time of the Great Recession. An analysis by Rhodium Group estimates that the changes could cost consumers between 193 and 236 billion between now and 2030, which makes it pretty hard to argue that this is really good for the common man. but besides the increased gas prices, I have a hard time siding with the Democrats who are decrying the fact that people will be getting cars with worse gas mileage. Oh, when, when people are buying trucks and SUVs, it's not like they go into it thinking they're going to be fetching 40 miles per gallon around the city. They know it's going to suck gas and they're on board with that. So at least up until gas returns to three 350 gallon or so. Uh, So, on to the safety issue, where, remember, Trump thinks he's going to be saving almost 13,000 lives. Uh, This is apparently due to the fact that, by relaxing fuel standards, car companies can continue to sell larger and larger vehicles, which are, of course, safer. And, by helping automakers reduce costs, that means we will get cheaper cars so we can upgrade to safer vehicles more quickly. Plus, if people have to spend more on gas, they'll drive less, meaning fewer miles traveled and less likely to die, which is sort of true in a kind of punishing-sounding way. But this ignores three real fundamental facts here. Larger cars are not inherently safer than small cars simply because of mass. Um, Tariffs are making cars more expensive and actually doing more to push back new vehicle purchases. And just because one country relaxes fuel standards, it doesn't necessarily mean cars get cheaper to make. Which brings me to my next point, automaker cost savings. The Department of Transportation estimates that regulatory costs for automakers will be reduced by $319 billion, which is a ton of money. Uh, that money uh, companies can spend on developing new cars and based on current trends those funds would likely go to the development of electric cars rather than gas guzzlers but uh, that's a, beside the point uh, the the point is that the united states is literally the only country in the world right now relaxing fuel economy standards so to suggest that this will save a certain amount of money is to ignore the global nature of the automotive market uh, there are very few cars that are sold in the us but aren't sold in any other country and almost all of those vehicles are produced by Ford, General Motors, and Fiat Chrysler. Until recently, most cars for sale in the U.S. were designed to meet California's fuel economy standards, which are shared by 12 other states and were the basis for many other countries' fuel economy standards. By removing the California standards and lowering the overall standards, instead of providing an even playing field, one one system for all car makers As intended, the EPA and DOT are essentially making the U.S. a special venue that doesn't play by the global rules. If automakers design cars for the U.S. market, they will be uncompetitive globally if they're even allowed to be sold there in the first place. So either companies will keep making more efficient cars or they'll spend more money developing U.S. specific models that pollute more. Auto News had a A great quote from Adam Lee, who's the chairman of Lee Auto Malls, a series of dealerships up in Maine. He said, quote, the world is moving to cleaner, more efficient vehicles. You don't have to care about clean air to see that reversing on fuel efficiency would put our automakers out of step with the global market. Do you think Honda, Nissan and Toyota are planning to make cars that are less efficient? When did America start to start to believe that losing our competitive edge was a good thing? The idea that rolling back miles per gallon standards will be good for the U.S. auto industry is ridiculous, end quote. And speaking of pollution, this, this rollback is, is pretty brutal for the environment. Uh, increasing oil consumption by half a million barrels per day will result in an extra 130 million metric tons of atmospheric carbon dioxide by 2030, which is the equivalent of adding 30 coal-fired power plants to our electrical grid. Uh, and leaving aside the fact that the electrical grid is actually getting cleaner as utilities start to go away from coal, uh, whatever lives may be saved by safely placing bodies in big, heavy SUVs may be outweighed by the increased risk of cancer or increases in asthma-related deaths. Let's not forget that California was given this waiver by the EPA because without it, the state would not have been able to meet clean air standards set by the federal government. Casting aside the fact that Republicans typically support more federalization, and this actually takes away states' rights in favor of a national government's authority, it also makes it harder for that state to create a healthy environment for its residents. So, this is the part when I say, everything is going to hell in a handbasket, and that once again, the Trump administration is ruining everything for us, and we're going to be sent back to the Dark Ages, where everyone parks their Ford excursion and has to walk through thick black clouds of carbon smoke to get to the doors of their office buildings, right? No. that For a couple reasons. One, lawyers. Um, it, love them or hate them, this new rule and the revocation of California's right to set their own standards will be held up in courts for years, while a bunch of attorneys for the government make so goddamn much money and the bunch of attorneys for the environment make so many overtime hours for no pay because it's the right thing to do. From the sounds of articles from Gizmodo, Jalopnik, the uh, Automotive News, and others, the environmentalists and states have a pretty good chance of overturning at least some aspects of the rules, but it, it'll likely be a long time before those are fully resolved. And second is is progress. As I mentioned, the rest of the world continues to march toward higher fuel economy standards, less pollution, and more environmentally conscious vehicles, because as what is it? 99.3% of scientists agree climate change is real it's a factual thing. And we have an obligation to take action before we cause such irreparable damage to this planet that we live on that our grandkids uh, are just being left a burned out shell like most Italian supercars end up being. These new fuel economy rules aren't going to reverse that course appreciably. What they do is just make America a laughingstock because it's represented by individuals whose pockets are so stuffed with oil industry lobbyist cash that their pants are falling down. And and pants falling down are always funny. But for those of us with thinner pockets, we're just sort of getting used to being the butt of jokes. Oops. In August of last year, General Motors completed the sale of struggling Opel and Vauxhall brands to the PSA Group, which is the parent company behind Peugeot, Citroën, and DS brands. Uh, Citing the fact that they had not turned a profit in years, GM was getting rid of a major problem child in their portfolio. So you might imagine that PSA Group would have their work cut out for them in returning Opel and Vauxhall to profitability. Well actually not so much. In, in just a year, Opel and Vauxhall have achieved a $587 million profit, which PSA credits to better benchmarking. They when, when the company compared how Opel and Vauxhall were making cars to how PSA Group brands were making cars, they discovered that the former were building cars at twice the cost of the latter. In just a year, PSA has cut fixed costs by 28%, compressed production within factories and offered buyouts to workers to reduce the workforce the companies have actually been selling fewer cars as sales have dropped across the board but because their cars uh, their cost to build every vehicle has decreased so drastically they're actually making more money it just sort of makes you wonder just what General Motors was benchmarking when they ran Opel Vauxhall and what might actually happen to Chevy or GMC if PSA Group took them over as well. Um, After several consecutive weeks of uh, not being a good time to be a Tesla investor, this week was a new week, and one with nothing but good news for the company. Uh, Mostly. Uh, First and foremost, CEO Elon Musk didn't call anyone a pedophile and actually apologized to investors for his recent actions. Then there was the the small thing about the company losing $717 million in quarter two of this year. But it's fine. It's totally fine. Don't worry about it, guys. This is totally, definitely the last quarter that the company is going to lose any money because Elon says that Q3 and Q4 are going to be profitable. And when has he been wrong about timing or performance, honestly? Uh, For realsies, the the loss wasn't as bad as many analysts expected, and the company has been consistently increasing production, so there are positive signs, and the stock prices rose thusly. Uh, Plus, the news that Tesla will be uh, including sweet Atari games in a a software update, and the fact that the Model 3 officially became the 7th best-selling passenger car in July means that Tesla fanboys and fangirls have a lot to be smiling about. And, and speaking of Tesla fan people, there are a lot of them, and they are all rich as hell, as evidenced by the fact that a Tesla-branded surfboard offered by Lost Surfboards offered for a steep $1,500 a pop all sold out in less than a day. And let's be honest, people. You do not surf. You are, like me, too pale to even be at the beach. You just bought it because it had a big T on it.
1: Ugh.
0: A few weeks ago, I featured the Mahindra Roxor in the new cars segment, which you may remember is basically a large all terrain vehicle that bears a rather striking resemblance to the Willis Jeep, uh, yet isn't road legal and will still cost you almost $16,000. Uh, Well, go figure that Jeep isn't too excited about the Mahindra vehicle, and uh, parent company Fiat Chrysler has made a complaint with the U.S. International Trade Commission stating that the Rockshore is, quote, a nearly identical copy of the iconic Jeep design design, modeled after the original Willis Jeep, end quote. Mahindra CEO Richard Haas debates that, saying, "...it's a very different vehicle. We think it makes its own subset. It's much more capable than what's out there today." While, sure, the Rockstar won't compete directly with the Wrangler for sales because it's not street legal, the design is a total ripoff, so it'd be interesting to see what the commission decides because that could have a lasting design on future blatant knockoffs. Delightful Australian and disgusting drinker of alcohol from Sweaty Shoes, Daniel Ricciardo, has decided that he doesn't actually like winning that much, uh... And he will trade his uh, seat in a Red Bull Formula One car for one in a considerably slower Renault Formula One car next year. Uh, This comes as a shock to many fans of the sport since Daniel has been very successful at Red Bull, winning uh, 29 podium finishes despite never really having a car that could compete with Mercedes or Ferrari. Uh, Speculation is that Red Bull's move from Renault engines this year to Honda engines next year has had an impact, but I think maybe he's just gotten tired of drinking out of his shoes every time he wins. So at Renault, there's going to be less pressure and also less risk of mouth-boring athlete's foot Um if you live in Chicago and you have a car, uh, but are on board with not using the car you pay to have for a month, great news. Uh, Lyft is going to give 100 lucky Chicago residents $550 in alternative mobility credits. Uh, this breaks down into a $105 CTA pass for the L train and buses, $100 in zip car credits, $45 for a Divi bike share pass, and $300 in Lyft credits for carpool trips. Um, basically, just to prove, you just have to prove to them that you have a car and it's on the honor system that you're not going to use it for thirty days, which is pretty generous. Um, of course, you're expected to tweet and Snapchat and Instagram about your experience, and you'll be subjected to both pre- and post-experience interviews so they get some market research data out of you. Um, it is an interesting concept, though. But five hundred and fifty dollars would buy you an awful lot of car gas and insurance to drive yourself around Chicago. Granted, in Chicago, it's the parking that gets you. Um, as Richmond from the IT crowd once stated, An ill wind is blowing. (laughs) In this case, the wind comes from the Toyota Camry from 2012 to 2017, which apparently has a condensation issue when running the air conditioning that causes a foul smell to be emitted from the air vents, causing understandable distress to the driver and passengers. Uh, Several technical service bulletins, or TSBs, have been issued to address condensation and HVAC issues in Toyotas over the years but none have apparently solved the problem, so the obvious solution is a class action lawsuit which is apparently filed last month against the company. Uh, the plaintiffs allege that the cause of the smell, which is probably mold, is hazardous to health and that the company is not doing enough to fix the issues. And now that I think about it, the the Toyota Paseo that was my first car had some nasty-smelling air conditioning on occasion, and uh, the vents would sometimes actually spit out water and some green junk that was probably mold, so... I can certainly appreciate the plaintiff's claims, yet now I'm wondering why I didn't do anything about it when I was experiencing those issues. Uh, Young and dumb, I guess, but uh, I did dumber things in that Paseo, let me tell you. Um, Speaking of doing dumb things, uh, 26-year-old Adam Campion filmed himself riding several motorcycles throughout the UK with one clip featuring Campion riding at 189 miles per hour, one-handed, while filming the speedometer with his phone in the other hand. Jesus. Um, Other also illegal shit he filmed involved popping wheelies and running red lights and, and... None of these videos were published on YouTube, so maybe he's not the world's most idiotic criminal, but the videos were found on a laptop he owned because police seized his laptop when he uh, had his home searched um, after, finding a, after cops found a, a stolen motorbike's license plate in the trunk of an abandoned car nearby. Uh, Campion was sentenced to 21 months in jail for five counts of dangerous driving and one count of assisting an offender in the retention of stolen goods, which is a long way to say keeping bad friends. Um, But Adam's not alone in his idiocy. Uh, Chantal Wilson of Council Bluffs, Iowa has a bit of a lead foot, which is uh, bad when combined with a Hyundai Elantra, but even worse when combined with a Ford Mustang, um, which predictably got Chantal into a bit of trouble. Uh, Last Friday, she was pulled over for doing 92 in a 75 just outside of Lincoln, Nebraska, where she received a ticket but wasn't detained because it was less than 20 miles an hour over the limit. Um, The officer apparently ticketed her and left, but it didn't take Chantal long to catch up with him because the very same county sheriff's deputy clocked her at 142 miles an hour just a bit down the road, at which point Chantal did not escape with just a ticket, uh, especially since she initially refused to pull over. Um, After a search, the cops found a small amount of marijuana in the car, which is surprising because it sounds like Chantal wasn't exactly mellowing out during her trip. Geez, imagine how fast she would have been going if she wasn't high. Um, Mercedes is also feeling the need for speed with its AMG G65, but unlike most cars where 621 horsepower from a twin-turbo V12 is an asset, it can be kind of a liability when the car is capable of hitting high speeds in reverse. Um, apparently some G-Wagons have been equipped with incorrect reverse speed limitation software and with such a high center of gravity, any sudden steering changes at speeds above 16 could cause the whole thing to roll over, which you really don't want in a $200,000 car or, well, any car. Um, they've been recalled to fix the issue, so you happen to, if you happen to own one of these $200,000 cars, one, be careful, and two, come be my friend. While this podcast may be your go-to source for automotive news, it uh, should most certainly not be your source for hip new trends uh, that the kids are doing, but uh, neither should the National Transportation Safety Board. Um, The board, whose job it is to determine cause of accidents, saw fit to issue a warning this week about the dangers of exiting moving vehicles to dance in traffic. Um, I would imagine that you, dear listeners, are probably thinking, well, yeah, that's dumb as hell. Who would do that? Turns out, a lot of people. Because people are idiots, and they make dumb challenges like the In My Feelings Dance Challenge, where people put on the new Drake single and then hop out of a moving car to dance or sometimes fall flat on their asses or faces and leave an uncontrolled car rolling on without them. Uh, When the NTSB has an opinion on an activity... uh, you can just get this really horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach that idiocracy is only becoming more of a documentary.
1: Four hours south of Mexico City lies Acolzingo, a town where the Wild West never tamed. Hidden amongst the impoverished locals who worked the land to make their living, are brazen thieves with nerves of steel and hearts of... also steel. After the man cracked down on stealing gas, these luchadors of liquid gold had to find a new honeypot, and they found it on the cold hard rails pointed north to the land of the free. By this I mean they started pulling tracks and severing brakes, causing train cars to derail near town, at which point townspeople would come and strip away any loot they could carry, which, unfortunately for Mazda, came from many of their cars being transported via rail. In the past year, there have been 521 crimes committed against cargo trains in Akultsingo alone, according to Bloomberg. That's almost two crimes per day. It's gotten so bad that Mazda has resorted to transporting some cars via the highway, which cost 30% more, just to avoid the well-organized criminals that have earned the town its nickname. ...as the train robbery
0: capital of the world. Also in the Wild West, uh, chances are if you own a Subaru, uh, you've had a bear trapped in your car at least once. And uh, if not, I guess you should consider yourself lucky because it is happening all the time. Especially in Colorado, where this week a black bear managed to get himself into a Subaru Impreza and close the door. Somehow these doors are always closing on these bears and as you might guess, claws are not especially useful for opening door handles. They are, however, fantastic for absolutely ripping the shit out of your vehicle's interior, which is exactly what this bear did before becoming bored and falling asleep. Uh, Cops tied a rope to the car's door handle and opened it, allowing the bear to waltz away like, Oh, those door panels and that headliner? Duh- They were like that when I found it, but I did help myself to your Cliff bars. I I just needed a little protein and a nap. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Easily, the craziest story this week, though, comes again from Canada, where in Alberta, a man named David just wanted to buy a Chevy Cruze. Uh, Unfortunately for David, he's not a great driver and has one accident and two tickets on his record. Being only 23, this means that insurance companies viewed him as somewhat of a liability. Um, because of sexism and statistics, if David were a Danielle, though, his insurance would be a staggering $1,100 Canadian lower. So David hatched a plan and uh, to begin identifying himself as a woman on official documentation. After a doctor's visit where he said, yeah, I identify as a woman now, uh, he was able to change his driver's license and birth certificate, uh, which earned him the lower insurance rate congratulations then to david uh who beat the system and must be enjoying some long drives in his dream car the Chevy cruise uh, excuse me uh her dream car uh now for some new cars
1: brand new brand new brand new
0: i don't like it unless brand new you might see me in my brand new. Well, with my brand new. my. Eye. Legendary tuner Hennessy has once again turned their attention to a Ford Mustang, and this week unveiled the Heritage Edition, which is uh, limited to 19 units, all in bright race red with white graphics. Um, they've supercharged the 5-liter V8 and turned it to and tuned it to spit out an incredible 808 horsepower and 677 foot-pounds of torque, meaning it'll do 0 to 60 in 3.3 seconds, which absolutely has to be the result of tires not hooking up. Um, if you can find a place to do it, the car will exceed 200 miles per hour. Prices start at a surprisingly unridiculous $90,000, which, uh, comes with a warranty, but really should come with four extra sets of tires, uh, for the rear. Um, it was a big week for tuning car companies, uh, apparently, because Lister also unveiled its LFT666, which is a tuned Jaguar F-Type with a body kit, um, Prior to this car, which was initially announced as the Lister Thunder, the company hadn't come out with a model since the 1993 Lister Storm, which I recall fondly from racing in Gran Turismo 2 on my PlayStation. Um, The LFT666 is called such because that number is its horsepower rating, and it's also painted in a matte black that looks particularly demonic. Um, Lister is apparently hoping this car is so successful that the company becomes Jaguar's unofficial tuning company. Um, They do not, however, sell the car outright, um, as interested parties will need to provide the company with an F-Type first, which which Lister will then modify for them. Uh, Kind of a hassle, but maybe worth it for that crazy awesome soundtrack. Um, Finally, Italian design house Pininfarina have had a new vehicle unveiled And it's probably not what you think. Um, Rather than a mid-engine supercar, Pininfarina have tried their hand at designing and engineering the Furio, um, which are a series of commercial trucks manufactured by Indian company Mahindra. Pininfarina hasn't exactly reinvented the truck here, um, as they just sort of look like trucks, Um, but there is probably limited room for innovation. Um, Nevertheless, if you happen to find yourself somewhere in the future where you have to drive a Furio, you'll know, hey, this thing is designed by the same people who designed Ferraris. And then you'll punch your foot to the floor and be immediately reminded that you are not in a Ferrari. Um, In obituaries this week, uh, we've known this has been coming for a while, but uh, the end has finally arrived for the Nissan Juke, which has been officially removed from Nissan's lineup Uh, In place of the compact crossover described as quirky, funky, or ugly, uh, we get the Nissan Kicks, which I will describe for you as boring and mainstream. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say that I was a fan of the Juke, it wasn't so much because of the car's styling as it was the fact that compact crossovers are stupid cars for people who uh, should be buying hatchbacks but care too much about appearing outdoorsy and adventurous to slum it in a Mazda 3 or Honda Fit, both of which have more cargo space. Um, I will miss the Juke, though, because it was different. And while different doesn't always mean better, it will always mean that some designers tried their best to defy convention, and I think that alone deserved appreciation. Um, that's going to do it for this week's show. Um, thank you for listening, and thank you to Nicholas Falcon for our intro song. I will leave you today with the sweet sounds of the Jaguar F Type R because Lister knew what they were doing when they picked that car as the basis for the LFT 666. Here, friends, is your moment of zen. <laughs>